Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I bought myself an early Christmas present, which is this microphone that I am speaking to you through. Can you hear me better? I have known for a while that I need to upgrade my microphone. There's been so much technical difficulty behind the scenes, y'all. Like, cry worthy. Like, pull your hair out worthy. One of those has been some microphone drama. Um, But anyway, I've known for a while that I needed to step it up. And I was reading through um, some of your comments and podcast reviews in iTunes and MindMaster. I'm sorry, I don't don't know what your real name is. I'm sure I probably do know who you are, but your uh, login name is MindMaster. Anyway, she left me the sweetest review and said that um, she loves a podcast, but that she can't hear me very well. And so she has to turn me up all the way in her ears and it's hard to hear. And so that was kind of the final push I needed to be like, okay, I got to step it up. So thank you, Mind Master. I hear you. I hope you can hear me better. And I hope all of you can hear me better as well. And I always appreciate those sweet reviews all leave me. They just, ugh, they make my heart so bursty and um, just lift me up so much. So thank you for that. And I love that good feedback. Sometimes I need a little push like that. So I did it and um, I'm here and it's just me today. I've had some awesome guests lately, don't you think? And I'm going to have some um, great ones in the new year too, but it's just going to be me for a, a couple episodes. I hope that's okay. Just me and you hanging out. And today um, I wanted to talk about bread. One reason is because I've been making and eating a lot of bread lately. Ever since my mom got me that bread maker for my birthday, I have been using it to make the most delicious hot steamy loaves of gluten-free bread. And last week I had a huge slab, uh, slab of bread, you know, just slathered in butter like three days in a row um and i was posting it in in the christian health club and i was like "Uh, yeah eating bread every day (laughs) and my husband my husband and i i think i told y'all this before we call it bread steak because you know these loaves are pretty dense and then i'll I'll cut it really thick and it's like basically like eating a ribeye it's just so delicious and filling and satisfying but I was thinking about how it's funny because in my previous bread avoiding period of life, eating all this bread would have racked me with guilt. You know, I've had a real interesting relationship with bread over the last 15 or 16 years. And so I thought I would share that evolution because you may find yourself at any of the stages that I have been in as you tried to clean up your, your diet. And for me, 
eating bread without mind drama is a huge win and kind of a pinnacle, you know, kind of represents this place of peace that I have found with food. And this all really came to light for me the other day at Bible study. So in Bible study right now, we are studying Luke. I am all up in the book of Luke right now between Bible study and uh, reading a chapter every day with my family. And plus we're reading it together in the Christian health club. So, you know, really into Luke right now. But anyway, I learned something new at Bible study, which is why I love going. I learned that the word Bethlehem, Bethlehem, sorry, it's not Bethlehem. It's not ham. It actually is bread. Bethlehem means house of bread in Hebrew. Beth means house and lehem means bread. So we were talking about that. And then we were talking about how a manger is a food trough. So we have Jesus born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Jesus laid in a manger, which is a trough for food. Jesus, who multiplied bread to feed the masses. Jesus, who broke bread and said, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, who is called the bread of life. And y'all, my English degree heart just eats up this kind of stuff. These root words and symbolism and metaphors. And so, you know, I'm learning this and putting all this together and thinking about this, um, you know, and it just, all this bread talk just made me think about how much I'm eating bread right now, how much I love bread and how much I love the bread of life, you know, Jesus. And there are so many parallels in this evolution of my relationship with bread. And so that is just really what I wanted to share with y'all today. So I was just thinking back, you know, before my I started making dietary changes and really thinking about it. You know, growing up, I just took bread for granted, as we all do. It's just there, just a loaf of bread. Didn't think too much about it. It was there and I ate it. And, you know, I could kind of say the same thing about my relationship with God. We went to church, you know, regularly. I went to vacation Bible school. I even went to church camp a few years. I mean, I was present, you know, I was there but I took it for granted. You know, it was more of a check the box kind of thing. And that's how it was for many years, you know, but somewhere along the way, I picked up a tremendous sense of guilt and fear when it came to God. I still haven't figured this out and exactly why. Um, but I did, and it was very overpowering and it sounds weird, but you know what I felt guilty for was having a good life. I mean, I could look around me and see my friend's parents getting divorced and kids struggling with things. I could watch TV and see commercials about all of the starving children in the world. I would watch the news and hear reports of war and car crashes and all sorts of horrible things. And I would think, why do all these people suffer? And here I am enjoying this wonderful life. She didn't seem fair to me. One of my friends even called my family the howdy, howdy duty family. And I mean, we were just a middle class, a regular family, but because my parents were still together and had regular jobs and there wasn't a lot of drama, that was noticeable and significant to her because it wasn't like that for her. And, you know, and just knowing that, um, it's just represented, you know, this whole guilt that I had, 
you know, I felt guilty that I had that and she didn't. I just didn't understand that. You know, why did I have it? And other people did not. And so with that came a lot of fear, you know, like this is too good to be true. Something bad's going to happen. So on one hand, I was living in this immense gratitude for what I had. And on the other, I was living in immense fear, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, you know, waiting for God to just lay something horrible on me to teach me a lesson or dole out my time to suffer. And so in those years, you know, I, there was all those years I was going to church and, you know, being there, but just avoiding a relationship with God. You know, he was scary to me. We didn't have a relationship really. I mean, that's kind of hard to do when you fear something or someone, you know? And so that kind of circles me back to bread. So when I first started cleaning up my diet, which was, you know, like about 16 years ago, and I'd been reading um, that cutting out wheat and cutting out, you know, some of these carbs and things could help my skin condition. Um, because that's really, that was kind of what initially drove me to my initial search, my, you know, initial looking up on the internet, like, what can I do for this skin condition? Because the doctors are just kind of done with me. They have nothing else to offer. Desperate. Is there anything I can do? And so, you know, I came across this stuff like give up wheat and give up dairy and give up wine. And I was like, what? (laughs) I cannot do that. Um, but I decided one thing I could do was just try to step up my quality a little bit. And so I wasn't going to give up bread, but I could try to do a little bit better. You know, like I said, step up the quality and feast to fast, we call this upgrading. And so that's kind of essentially what I was doing all those years ago. Okay. I'm going to try to upgrade. So my first step was to stop um, buying bread off the shelves, like break up with Mrs. Baird. And I thought that it would be a better option for me to buy it from the bakery at my grocery store instead. Not even like a, like a nice bakery, you know, separate bakery. No, just like a few aisles over (laughs) the bakery at the grocery store. Um, I figured that, well, they're baking it there. At least it's a little bit more fresh and it wouldn't have as many additives and preservatives, you know, not that it had stellar ingredients, but you know, it would literally go bad so much quicker than the shelf bread. And so that made me feel like I was doing something right. You know, I was like, look at that. It's only been three days and the spread is moldy, you know? And so that's what I did for a while. You know, that was my step in the right direction. And, you know, this was during the time when my aunts, my maternal aunts had been diagnosed with celiac disease. So I was aware of gluten, you know, and I had been reading that wheat wasn't that great for you, but I just, I wasn't ready to give it up. I mean, I went back and forth for several years over the gluten issue. You know, the first time I really went gluten-free was after I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. You know, I've shared that with y'all here. Um, and I went gluten-free and I know that played a, a big role in helping my body get pregnant, just lifting that inflammation, um, taking that burden off my body. But I went back to gluten you know, after my son was born, I don't even know if I was done with my pregnancy before I started eating it again. But I was trying to put together a timeline and remember all this very accurately, but, um, some of the dates are kind of fuzzy. So they're, they're, those are general, you know, um, but, but pretty much on track here, but, um, I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure I started eating gluten again before he was actually born, 
but I was definitely on and off of it for several years, you know, and at that time there just, there weren't convenient gluten-free options, uh, certainly not good gluten-free bread options like they have today, you know, or, or anything. It was harder to go gluten-free back then. Um, so, you know, that's, that is what it is, but you know what I did try. So, you know, I was gluten-free and then not gluten-free. And then kind of the next step in my evolution with bread uh, was Ezekiel bread. Now at that time, food for life, the company who makes Ezekiel bread did not have um, a gluten-free option, but Ezekiel bread is sprouted grain bread which does make it a better option and a step in the right direction, which is what I was going for. The recipe is based off Ezekiel 4.9, which says, take also unto thee wheat and barley and beans and lentils and millet and spelt and put them in one vessel. So those are the ingredients, okay? But they sprout the ingredients, which makes it more digestible, increases the absorption of vitamins and minerals, and generally is just better for you. I have a podcast called insider secrets to eating grains and legumes, which talks some more about this and properly preparing whole food carbs. Um, that's, that's what we call them feast of fast. So I love all of this about Ezekiel bread, you know, the quality, the biblical recipe, so to speak. And I would still recommend it as a good bread option if you're eating gluten. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> to me, it tasted like cardboard, you know, not to be fair, it has been a really long time since I've tried it and my taste buds have changed tremendously from that time. I mean, now it probably would taste okay to me now, but I'm not eating gluten now, but you know, when you're eating a bunch of processed food, because I still hadn't cut all that out yet, you know, there was still plenty of processed food in the, in the mix, but processed food that I used to eat back then, you know, would taste, taste disgusting to me now. Um, so I might like, I might like it better now, you know, you just, you can't appreciate real food when you're eating fake food. Um, but at that time I decided it wasn't worth it. It was definitely not a heck yeah, so to speak, but I did like their sprouted cinnamon raisin bread, you know, because it was sweet, but, um, that's not the bread that I wanted for regular things. Now food for life does make a gluten-free bread. There's an option, but that's not something I ever see. I don't have available to me. I can't get where I am. So I don't even really think about it. Um, I should probably look for that when I'm in the big city and give that a try again. I do use the food for life sprouted corn tortillas when I make enchiladas. Um, I just, I think they have good quality food. You find it in the freezer section, you know, again, because it doesn't have all of the junk that's going to make it shelf stable for long. So um, it's better to keep it frozen until you use it. But, you know, at that time, their bread just was not cutting it for me. So I didn't buy it that much. And, you know, that was kind of a short stage in my bread journey. That fizzled out uh, fairly quickly. I didn't really get serious about food changes until after my second son was born. He's the one that came out of me, you know, already basically having eczema. And I was like, how did I screw up this baby? He just came out of my body. But he was born C-section, as all of my kids were, which we now know is a disadvantage, you know, for seeding the microbiome. When babies are born through the vaginal canal, they pick up a lot of mom's bacteria, which is an important part of building the microbiome, you know, that process. But these little C-section babies miss out on that, although I think they do something to help that now. 
when Holly Carter was on here, when we were talking about ADHD and stuff, we, we, she mentioned something like that they address that now with C-section babies. So that's good. I hope so. But my, my little baby didn't get that. Plus, um, you know, with that, he inherited my stomach issues, you know, obviously some of my skin, the propensity towards skin issues, my poor little boo-boo. He looks more like my side of the family. And the women who became my nutritionist told me that kids will often have the same issues as the parents they resemble the most. I always thought that was so interesting. So he's the one that only pooped every few days, you know, and when I took him to the doctor for the poop problem and the eczema, eczema issues, all I got was, you know, that's normal. Here's some cream. And, you know, again, I was like, that was a, just another thing to tuck away in my head. Like this is not right. So it was the years between my second son and my daughter that I really started seriously reading and getting obsessed with learning about nutrition. That's when I hired this nutritionist, you know, who was helping me and I had her helping um, my husband and she was advising me on Bo, you know. Um, and I remember during that time, she was like, I just want to give you a heads up. You're going to be very fertile as you're making these changes and taking these supplements. And I was like, okay, whatever. I didn't really pay much attention or take any precaution with that. And indeed, she turned out to be right because I got what I call my unexpected blessing, my sweet little baby girl. Um, and thank you, Jesus, for her. Thank God. So grateful for her. And when I was pregnant with her, this nutritionist was like, she recommended I take this ridiculous amount of fish oil. But she said, if you do, your baby will be calm and sleep well and be so smart and have beautiful skin and hair. And so I was like, okay, bring it on. But, um, I couldn't bear to take as many as she recommended. It was like, she was like, I don't know. I think it was like 18 capsules or something that she told me to take. It was a lot and I could not stomach that. So I took like half of that. Um, and it was still a lot, but she was right. I mean, my baby was all those things. She was a great baby. She slept well, very good disposition. Um, and she's got really pretty skin and hair. Anyway, oh, you know, all of these experiences, you know, I was having with this nutritionist and my naturopath and making dietary changes and getting pregnant and, you know, seeing improvements in skin. Like I was having, this is when all of this was happening and I was just intensely reading, you know, reading so much. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, I mean, wow, with all this reading and learning I'm doing, I could probably, I could have probably been certified in something by now, you know? So that's when I decided to go through the nutritional therapy association program. Um, and at that time, my daughter was about nine months old. So when I started, I had a five-year-old, a two-year-old and a nine-month-old at home with me when I did it. And so I get a lot of questions about that, about the program and the time commitments and such. And, um, you know, I just made it work. I did it in the early morning. I did it during naps and I listened to classes when I was pushing babies around in strollers and it just, I made it work. And it's one of the best decisions, you know, I've ever made. Anyway, um, this nutritionist that I was working with, I mean, she was very much, you know, pushing gluten-free, you know, and, um, she recommended this book to me called life without bread. And I was reading a lot about paleo 
you know, which excludes dairy, grains, and legumes, and then, you know, I read wheat bellies, so but this is all when, like, I guess my war against carbs started. <laughs> I was like, carbs is the devil. Can't eat carbs. And, you know, bread is like the poster child of carbs, right? I mean, when you think of carbs, you think bready things. So bread was just kind of the, um, the enemy, you know, and I was pretty much paleo. You know, that's, that's kind of the direction I went the next, the next direction, the next step I took was paleo. And if I ate anything off that plan, I, you know, I just kind of felt guilty. I felt like I was failing. And I think of that time, you know, it's interesting because that was when fat was making its big comeback. And it used to be, I felt guilty about eating fat, you know, in college, we avoided fat and we ate all the carbs. And now it's like we're avoiding all the carbs and eating all the fat. And somewhere deep inside of me, that just, that didn't sit right. You know, I just had this niggling feeling that this demonization of an entire macronutrient category just didn't make sense. You know, I was in my Bible during these days and going to Bible study regularly and stuff. I was avoiding bread, but not avoiding God. And I could see that clearly Bible people ate bread and other grains you know, and it seems like all of food scenes with Jesus involve fish and bread and wine. So I'm like, he's eating bread, drinking wine. <laughs> but, you know, here's what I did know. I felt so much better not eating bread and not eating grains and beans um, and cutting dairy and, you know, and just generally being lower carb. And I knew enough from reading books over the years, you know, I understood about you know, processed food and declining quality of ingredients and the changing of the wheat plants. And I even had some level of understanding about the body, you know, from all this reading I was doing, but it didn't really come all together until I studied to become a nutritional therapist. And I got the full context, you know, the workings of food and the body and things like gut bacteria and enzymes and stomach acid and being in a parasympathetic state and blood sugar and insulin, you know, all those things. But I will say, you know, the Nutritional Therapy Association, the way I was trained, um, they promote a properly prepared nutrient dense diet, which does include and makes room for grains and legumes and dairy and such, you know, and they would consider a paleo diet more of a nutritionally therapeutic option, but not an across the board recommendation for everyone. But because so many people do have compromised guts that can't handle carbs, avoiding them or significantly lowering them can really help and start the healing process. And like I said, that I found that true for me. I felt so much better lowering carbs um, and avoiding, um, you know, much of these ingredients. And so when I started with working with clients, that was one of the first things that we worked on is tackling the carb situation, you know, blood sugar regulation, because you can feel so much better and see results pretty quickly when you get that under control. But what's funny is, you know, all during the, the paleo, you know, when I was doing this, trying to follow a paleo diet and avoiding bread, all I was trying to do was figure out how to make a good bread recipe. You know, I experimented with all of the grain-free alternative flours and mostly almond and coconut flour. And I was making all these bread, loaves of bread with this stuff, and but nothing came or ever came out like real bread. You know, as much as I wanted it to, and I will even say at the time, like, oh, it's so good. It's just like bread. No, it really, was, it really wasn't. <laughs> My family was kind of like, meh, 
you know, when I would make, make them, make that kind of stuff. And sometimes they would eat it and sometimes they wouldn't. But a lot of the times it led to me just eating most of it by myself, you know, and that's not helpful either. Um, but I, you know, I still wasn't eating, I wasn't eating gluten-free bread. I was trying to keep it pretty paleo, um, at that time, but I wanted bread, you know, I wanted it. And it's funny because I was seeking bread, wanting bread while I was avoiding bread. And this is kind of what started happening to me with God, you know, for years I'd been seeking more of the Lord, you know, trying to get over my scary God complex, trying to overcome all of the fear and guilt inside of me. That was a huge barrier to having a relationship with him. You know, I wanted to know and love him without all the mind drama. And that had been going well, you know, over these years, these same years that I'm going through these dietary changes, you know, because um, I started going to church here, you know, like I told y'all before, um, I moved in when we moved into town, I literally, we moved into a house right across the street from my church. I mean, that is no accident. God plopped me down like, here you go. This is what you need to do. So I was going to church regularly and Bible study and reading the Bible and reading books about the Bible. And it was all turning my heart and deepening my relationship with him. And all was well until he wanted to take it deeper. Okay. And this was the time, you know, when I could hardly look at my Bible without seeing something related to health and nutrition. You know, even if a verse or a passage had absolutely zero to do with health or nutrition, I could almost always find a way to make a connection to it. So God was meeting me in my passion. And it makes me just want to cry, you know, just thinking about it. But it was like he was locking me down there, locking me down with him, you know, in this passion, in this passion that, you know, I know that he put on my heart. And I could feel that stirring about becoming the Christian nutritionist. And I was like, um, I don't know if I want to take it that deep with you, God. You know, honestly, I wanted to plug my ears and shut off my brain and close my heart to all of it, you know, because it was deeper than I was prepared to go. I was seeking the bread behind the scenes, right? I mean, I was wanting this relationship with him, seeking him, but now he wanted me to eat it in public. And there was fear about that. And then because I was fearful about that, then there was guilt. And so now like all of the mind drama was back. But you know how this story turns out. I've shared it several times here. Um, and here I am. <laughs> so I listened, followed through, but it, you know, it has not been without mind drama along the way. There has been plenty of that over these last six and a half years. And it has required me to lean in hard to him, which of course was his plan. And so what I realized um, is that with all of this, everything I'm doing in this capacity with my nutrition work, this whole time has been his plan for a relationship with me. The fact that it helps people and I can help people is wonderful, but it's really secondary. It's the bonus. It's the butter on the bread, so to speak. The true purpose of my work as the Christian nutritionist is between him and me. I cannot do this without him and he knows it. And it has taken faith and prayer and seeking of guidance 
And I'm not saying I've done it all right or perfectly by any means, but it has certainly grown me in ways that I could never have imagined, you know, immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine, like it says in Ephesians 3.20. But I have to say that sometimes I'm very impatient in understanding what he's doing with me here, you know, like where, where he's taking me, what the future of this looks like, because I feel like I'll get settled in something and then he'll shift my direction. You know, and I kind of feel that way now, like he's shifting me in some way. And I, I want to know what that means or how it's going to play out. But it's a very much a, a daily bread situation right now. Like, here's what you need for today. Eat up and be satisfied. I'll be right here tomorrow to feed you again. <laughs> you know, and even though I'm not a big meal planner, I mean, I do like to have more than a day by day game plan. So this give us this day our daily bread meal plan is not always an easy one to swallow. But I have, you know, become more at peace with this, this way of eating the bread that he feeds me, just like I have found more peace eating actual bread. I mean, there's been a lot of wrestling with bread over the years, as you can tell in spirit, mind and body. Right? It's funny now because even though I've made more peace with all of this, you know, and, um, especially eating bread and, you know, just that where I am with it, this kind of food piece where I am, I'm kind of embarrassed or kind of fearful to show how much of it that I kind of where I am with it, you know, like, look at all these carbs and bread I eat, you know, I, I think about what my fellow health practitioners are thinking when I'm posting pictures of all this bread I'm making or talking about wine or how I don't completely avoid sugar. I've been talking about that so much lately, like in my sermons on the couch and, um, you know, we just did the podcast on wine and, you know, I'm like, they're probably thinking you are the worst nutritionist in the world. <laughs> so, um, a lot of this journey has also been about finding and accepting the way that I eat and the way that I teach people to eat, despite what other people may be teaching, despite what is a popular diet trend. And, you know, to be clear, it doesn't mean that some people will not require a more therapeutic approach, you know, gut healing or some deeper nutritional therapy before they are ready to eat bread and eat carbs the way I'm eating them, you know, but I mean, for me in my house and then and people in my nutritional house, we're going to eat the bread, you know, or whatever that food is for you that has caused mind drama over the years. Because one of the biggest gifts that you can give yourself is food peace, peace with food. That's where it all comes together for me. Peace with the Lord, peace with food. I'd rather teach that and have you eat some bread and sugar then try to teach something extreme, unattainable, and something that perpetuates fear, shame, and mind drama. And that's why I think when I asked God for a sign over three years ago about working on a program, you know, he gave me a clear yes. And that's what became Feast to Fast. And then when I asked him for a sign about having other health professionals teach Feast to Fast and, you know, take it to more people, I got another clear yes. I've done podcasts on both of those things, um, getting signs from him. If you haven't listened to those, um, Go back and listen. It's all been part of this leaning into him as this work um, and this relationship with him unfolds. And so if I've been oversharing, like I have been about bread lately and these other things, 
uh, that's why, you know, it kind of represents all of this in a way that I didn't realize until I was at Bible study the other day. And I learned that Bethlehem meant house of bread. And my house has been full of this yummy gluten-free bread that I've been making and that my family loves. And that's where I am now with my journey in eating bread. You know, I do still buy gluten-free bread from the store. Um, that's mostly for my family. I mean, they definitely eat more bread than I do, but, um, I'm kind of spoiled by this homemade bread. That's like my ultimate heck yeah right now. And so I'd rather wait and have a really delicious piece, you know, or three of it, you know, and as opposed to a store bought gluten-free bread. But like I said, I do buy uh, bread for the store. My family's favorite is Canyon Bakehouse. It's not perfect in its ingredients, but it's a good upgrade. My next level of evolution in bread, um, I hope to be is making sourdough bread. I just cannot get over the hump to start doing it for whatever reason. I have bought several sourdough starters and then just let them die, sadly. Kind of reminds me of my relationship with plants. I, I kill all plants. I have an entire, I call it my pot graveyard um, behind my house. It's just a bunch of empty pots where plants used to live and have died. <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel about my sourdough starters. I'll get them and then I just, I don't know what it is. I cannot get it together to make the sourdough bread. Um, but I'll get there. I mean, look at this entire process of my bread journey, how long it has taken, you know, and I, I, that's one thing I hope that you'll take away today is, um, you know, some grace for yourself. It's just in timing and letting your journey unfold. It's not like one day I was like, I'm changing my diet or I'm going gluten free. And then it was done. I mean, it has been a long process and it has been a full spirit, mind, body process. So no matter where you are in this process, I think here are the major takeaways from today. You know, keep upgrading. Just take the next best step in the right direction. You know, that's what I tried to do from the very beginning. Um, and what I try to teach now in Feast of Fast, you know, for me, all these years with the bread, I started with the bakery bread, then I went to Ezekiel bread, then I went to paleo bread, and now I've landed on upgraded gluten-free bread, you know, both store-bought and homemade. Next, to give yourself time and grace and space to let this evolution happen. You know, it can take some time. I, mean, I went gluten-free several times before it finally stuck. So whether that's your goal or it's something else that you're having trouble making stick, don't give up and don't beat yourself up. And, you know, along with that, and finally, I mean, just seek peace in the process. Again, one of the biggest gifts that you can give yourself is food peace. Make peace with the bread or whatever it is for you and, you know, with your dietary life that needs to be made peace with. If you want to go through the Feast of Fast process, you know, to kind of experience how I teach this, you know, how it kind of plays out in my real life and how I'm eating bread all the time. <laughs> or if you're a health professional who wants to learn how to teach this process to your people, to your clients, the next round of Feast of Fast and the Feast of Fast coach training starts on January the 4th. I invite you to ring in the new year with more God and better health. Perfect way to kick it off. You know, it's going to be a better year. It has to be. I know it's going to be. And we are invited to God's table. We're invited to the trough. 
to feast on him and with him. And that's exactly what we're going to do in the new year. And I would love, love, love for you to join us. But I wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas. And I hope that you receive the gift of bread before you. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.